0: I want to uh, start out with something that one of my favorite theologians who happens to be a worship leader at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City named Misty Edwards would sing. And uh, when I say, there's some more over here, Kyle. Yeah, if we, hopefully, yeah, we've got, good, okay. Um, she said, she would sing this in one of my favorite sets. She says, I pledge my allegiance to Jesus, to Jesus. I pledge my allegiance to the Lamb. I don't want to be offended. I don't want to be offended when it's all coming down. When the end time generation and things are being heated up and pressures and shaking, I don't want to be offended. And so from that elevated perspective of our allegiance as Christians is number one to Jesus Christ, to the kingdom of God, But from that perspective, I want us to do something. I'd like you all to stand, if you would. And I'd like us to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, a year or two ago, that might seem fine, but I have a sense it's a little controversial today. I mean, I just want to go for it. Now, our allegiance first is to Jesus, but let's just say this together. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Somebody, well, play balls after the uh, national anthem, but we'll be all right. I can sing. Somebody said this the other day concerning this election season. We, meaning, I believe, the church, we will be, and believers in our nation and others of one political persuasion, we will be gracious in victory, humble in defeat, but not so much if they cheat. We will be gracious in victory, humble in defeat, but not so much if they cheat. A prayer the Lord gave me a few weeks ago is we want the whole truth nothing but the truth, so help us, God. Help us in our nation. Help us, you know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so I, I, I don't, ugh, but I'm like, okay, Lord, show me the truth about me, knowing that when you reveal it, I can repent and receive forgiveness and cleansing. But I want to know the truth. And part of having a family is, you, is you, we have blind spots, And we can help point things out to each other to know the truth so that we can be set free. I am honored to be part of such a worshiping, warring church. For the last couple of months, we've been running hard for God's will to come to our nation, for God's kingdom to come, His will to be done. For eight weeks before election day, we had sets, worship and prayer sets in here, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at noon, we had 30 to 40 people m- many days here at on their lunch break calling out for God's will. Then on election day, for 24 hours straight, from midnight to midnight, we had worship teams and intercessors at the east gate of the Capitol praying for God to rend the heavens and release His Spirit over our nation. And then, after that, we had... Uh, More on the on last uh, Monday night, yeah, we had a a group here that joined almost 10,000 or more intercessors from around the world praying with Dutch sheets for our elections, for the truth to come forth, and now we're starting up with winter sets, and so I'm just I am just humbled and provoked by the zeal I see in your hearts. By the sobriety that I see, you, you're, we're learning, we know the hour we're in. And it's not just sad, doom, and gloom, but it's like battle stations. In a sense, a worshiping, warring church is like a bride wearing combat boots. A bride wearing combat boots. A friend of mine wrote a book. He was a pastor that I was, knew back in Rockwall named Mel Cooley. He wrote a book called the Bride War Combat Boots. And the verse that goes with this is Song of Solomon 6.4. Look at this picture of the bride and yet the army. Oh, my love, you are beautiful as Tirzah, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. Look at the juxtaposition of pictures there. Oh, I'm lovely. You're (laughs) beautiful. Lord, like you're beautiful. You're lovely, but you're awesome as an army with banners. The sober reality is that when we choose to engage in spiritual warfare, like we're doing for our nation, like we're doing for the lives of the unborn, for for Israel, for religious freedom, when we engage. In spiritual warfare, we need protection from the enemy's rival kingdom. Wow. Now, you may not just be as gung-ho as this. You may be like, man, what kind of church did I get in here today? These guys, they're radical. Well, you know what? Just being a Christian yeah. makes you an ambassador for the kingdom of God, and that provokes the ire and the wrath of the rival kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. It puts us in a place of having to understand we must fight the good fight of faith because there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and mess you up. That's my version of John 10.10. Thief comes to steal, kill, and mess you up. But Jesus said, but I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Can I get a witness on that? Amen? How many of you have felt the heat get turned up? Well, it's because we have an opposing kingdom that doesn't want us to advance, to see our relatives come to know Jesus, to see our neighborhoods, to see our lives have peace and joy. And so we have to be ready. We have to be equipped Paragraph A, it is not time to be on the fence. It's not time to be a lone ranger, spiritually passive or isolated from the church family and from being in submission to a church eldership. It's not time for passivity and isolation. Not time to say, well, God's just in control implying that I can carry on with comfortable Christianity listening to my feel-good Christian podcast, which I'm, I'm all in favor of Christian podcasts that build us up. Yeah. But it's not business as usual. Amen. We're in a season. We're in a time. It's not just K Sirrah Sirrah, those who remember Doris Day <laughs> and the 10% said amen with me. K, surah, surah, whatever will be, will be. Now, here's the truth. Paragraph B. Well, no, that's not paragraph B yet. It's true that God is ultimately in control. But God does not control everything. God allows mankind to have a free will. He doesn't control our free will. Otherwise, we wouldn't really love, is not love without free will? God is love. So He allows us to choose. So He's not in control of our choice mechanism. And though God is ultimately in control, God allows the enemy, Satan, the devil, to go about like a roaring lion. Now, He's on a leash, but He does Allow Satan to go around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so, this is sober times. Thankfully, when we put on the armor of God, when we fight the good fight of faith, we win. <laughs> Rachel, are you around here? Rachel has a shirt on, and says, if, if, if we don't quit, we win. <laughs> because, amen, because we're in him. But we've got to stand side by side yes. as the army with yes. banners yes. and not get out of rank and not be found MIA, wow. missing in action. We've got, to, we've got to flow together, come together like we're doing today. Paragraph B, today I want to address how we can respond successfully to the enemy's attacks. I don't care who you are. If you're named the name of Jesus, you are subject to attack. Our focus isn't on the enemy, it's on Jesus. Our battle's not with flesh and blood, it's with principalities and powers. But there is remedy and provision from God for us to successfully respond to the enemy's attacks. And I want us to be successful. I want us to be victorious no matter how high the heat gets turned up in our life. We can defeat the enemy. Lots of important and biblical ways, I'm sure most of you know many of them, ways that we can reign victorious. But as we prepare to receive communion, I want to share what I believe is the most powerful weapon that we have against the enemy. The most powerful weapon we have against the enemy is, is, is described by what you, if you look at your table, there's a communion cup and, and wafer there. The most powerful weapon we have against the enemy is the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus. We're going to look at that. We're going to receive communion in a few moments. I want to talk about how to get the full effects, the full effects of the blood of Jesus working in your life. I want to tell you, with all that's going on, I find myself speaking out of my mouth, Thank you for the blood of Jesus that it does this for me or does that for me. I say that so many times during the day because I know it's my most powerful weapon against the enemy, yes. against what he would try to do in my life. Yeah. And a lot of times what the enemy tries to do in our life is just, is just kind of cause us to become dull and lukewarm and just kind of given to just lethargy spiritually. Spiritually. God didn't create us to walk that way or to live that way. When we apply the blood correctly, we overcome Satan. So I want to begin with Revelation 12.11, a verse that one of our elders' wives had on her heart this morning, <laughs> Sarah Adams, right? And she was like, what? Yeah, I want us to look at Revelation 12.11. It's speaking about the great end time conflict that is coming at the end of the age. A conflict in which heaven and earth are involved. The angels of God are involved. Satan and his angels are involved. And God's believing people on the earth are involved. And thankfully, the victory goes to God and His people. And this verse describes how God's believing people on earth played their part in winning the victory. It's a statement that's made by angels, but it's about Christians on the earth. Wow. Revelation 12, 11 says, these are the angels talking, and they overcame him. Who's the they? The they is believers in Jesus Christ on the earth. Overcame him. Who's the him? Satan. Now, that's very important because that shows, please hear me, that shows there can be direct conflict between us and Satan. Mm. There's no one else in between. Mm. They overcame him. And then it tells us how they overcame him. By a lot of awesome worship, songs playing in your car. By you getting all excited and jumping up and down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And then paragraph B, it also adds one more thing. The kind of people they were. They loved not their lives unto the death. To say it in one word, they were committed They were totally committed. That's the only kind of Christian that frightens Satan. Is a totally committed Christian who loves not their life to the death. When it says they love not their lives, it meant for them staying alive was not their number one priority. Their number one priority was doing the will of God. It wasn't. Whether they stayed alive or not, they were going to do the will of God. Is Emily here right now? Emily Dodd? She's next door. door. She and Ben. Okay. These are some missionaries that are part of our church family. They're feeling the Lord called them to go to some very dangerous places. But priority for them is doing the will of God. And I hope it's my priority too, and your priority. I believe it is. But number one is to do the will of God, whether we live or not. You know, I think for many believers, we talk about being the soldiers in the Lord's army. I mean, when Kyle and Grace were little, we'd sing, I'm in the Lord's army. You know, I may not run in the Calvary, whatever it is. (laughs) But we have this view of being soldiers in the Lord's army. And I think for most of us, it's kind of a vague and sentimental idea. Yeah. Wow. But when you sign up, when you go to an army recruiting center and you sign up to join the army, there's no paragraph on that little seat, sheet you sign up that says you, that the army guarantees I won't be killed. In fact, when you sign up for an army, it is understood you might be killed. I'm not getting a lot of amens right now, but that's all right. I'm preaching the Bible. (laughs) It's not, um, I'm not getting, we're just looking at the word of God here. It's understood. You have no guarantee. Those who love not their lives to the death are the people that Satan is afraid of most. Because his main strategy against us is fear wow. right. and lust and pride. But if he can get us into fear, he can keep us from walking in the full will of God. So I'm praying for a grace of God on the army of God. That it's a, the army of God is a real army. Just like signing up in the military today, I want to dig a little deeper into what it means to overcome Satan by the blood of Jesus. And you've got your notes there. Roman numeral three. This is one of the most important and precious truths that I've ever discovered as a Christian. In fact, this could be the most important message I've ever preached. Wow. And the phone went off and the Lord called me and said, yes. Yes. <laughs> This truth is always true. It always works. We never outgrow it. Wow. We never say, well, like, I don't need that anymore. I've been a Christian for 20 years. No amount of money would be enough to equal the value of this truth. Paragraph A is this truth. It's from Revelation twelve eleven. We overcome Satan when we testify personally To what the word of God says, the blood of Jesus does for us. I want us to say that. If you would say it after me, because it's so important. And I'm praying the Lord will mark our hearts with it. I've put this aside over the years and gone, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Because I find my mouth complaining or just talking stuff. But it's, let's just say this, would you say this after me? I'll say it and then you say it. We overcome Satan Satan. when we testify personally personally. to what the Word of God says the the blood of Jesus does does. for us. us. Now I'm going to show you exactly how to do this, but first I want to have us look at an example from the Old Testament of the Passover ceremony in Exodus 12, 21 through 23. In that ceremony, 3,000 years ago, God, through the sacrifice of a Passover lamb, provided total protection for all the people of Israel. But they had to do certain things with the lamb and with its blood to ensure that protection. Before we look at this, I want to look real quickly at a New Testament sentence in 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. What Paul is saying here is the Old Testament Passover in Egypt is a prophetic picture. It is a preview of what was to be accomplished by the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. It's a picture of what we now have. We're going to look at Passover back 3,000 years ago, but that's just foreshadowing to this, that Jesus is our Passover. And when you see that on your table, the the cup and the, the bread, we're seeing a picture of Jesus, our Passover lamb. Paragraph B, Jesus is the true Passover. It is his blood, not the blood of the Passover lamb, of eight, of that Passover lamb back in Israel, that assures us of full protection and victory. It is his blood that does that. However, the way that Israel did, was instructed to apply the blood of that sacrificial lamb is a beautiful picture. It's a great pattern for us to look at. And so that's where I'm going to tie these together today with how to apply the blood in our own lives. Let's look at Exodus 12, 21 through 23. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and take a lamb for yourselves according to the size of your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop dip it in the blood which is in the basin or the bowl and touch some of the blood to the lintel above the doorway and to the doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel above the entryway and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over. That's why it's called Passover, by the way. Because every house that applied the blood, that house was protected by the blood of the Lamb. So he says, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to slay you. You see, God, Jesus is a bridegroom. He's a king, but he's also a judge. And he was judging Israel. I mean, excuse me, he was judging Egypt by sending this death angel. But he was providing protection for the people of Israel as long as they did what he instructed with the lamb and with the sacrifice. I want to show something from a movie that is one of my favorite movies. It's a cartoon movie. It's called Prince of Egypt. I would encourage you maybe to get it at some point just because it's really good and it's very faith building. But I want to show a little clip of the night of Passover just to help us get the full import of what they were going through and the power of the blood. Would you turn off? You can shut all the lights down, and we'll go for it. Thank you, Sloan. I don't know how to make sure the volume goes up, too. the breath going out of someone. I'm so thankful for the blood of the Lamb. If it wasn't for the sacrifice of Jesus, where would we be? Because the enemy wants to come and steal and kill and destroy. Father, on this thankful family day with Thanksgiving, we thank you for the ultimate act of love, sending your Son shedding every drop of blood. Scripture says, life is in the blood. Lord, my sins, the wage of my sins was death. But you shed your blood, which is life, for life to cancel death, for my sin to be canceled with your righteousness. So we tend, as we move more into this time of communion, may we never lose the wonder of the cross. Now let's consider what they had to do. At a certain time, the Lord instructed Moses to, for each father, each head of the family to take a lamb suitable for the size of the family to sacrifice the lamb and to drain to catch the blood from the lamb being careful to not spill one drop of the blood they would take the blood of the sacrificed lamb and catch it all in a basin or a bowl once the blood of that Passover lamb was caught in the bowl then The father would take a branch of hyssop. Hyssop is a branch. It's very common out in the Middle East. It grows on every hillside. I walked, I counted my steps. I walked six steps outside my back door to get this. It's common. It's seemingly unimportant. But God instructed the heads of those households to take the hyssop, dip it in the blood, and then smear it on the sides or sprinkle it on the sides of each doorpost and on the top, the lintel on the top. Careful to not let any of it get on the ground because it's unholy to ever walk or tread on the blood of the lamb. This is what he instructed them to do and this is a picture of us. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you What's our hyssop? We'll look at that. Because I want to be very practical today too. Now the lamb was slain. The blood was in the basin. It was the means of protection. But as long as the blood was in the basin, it didn't protect a single soul. They were required to transfer the blood from the basin to the doors of their homes. Which means to the doors of where we live was their home but it's where we live today. Everything, the whole destiny of Israel as we saw in that clip, depended wow. listen now, it depended on getting the blood from the bowl to the door. No one was able without applying the blood to be protected. How were they to do it? It was very simple. God said, "Take this hyssop And we saw this picture of hyssop. Pluck it, dip it in the basin, and sprinkle it over the door. So this hyssop became essential. This became essential to the salvation of Israel. One more thing I want to interject because your scripture, your verse tells us this. It said, God instructed them to not go outside the house until morning. That's a word of wisdom. The blood of Jesus applied must be followed with a life of obedience. Don't presume. Well, I'm a Christian. I got a lot of Christians in my family. Don't wander outside of the protection of God. You say, Well, Glenn, that's really hard. There's so much. You know what the Lord told me even this week? Because I was feeling a little overwhelmed with. I want to walk in purity, but there's so much. The Holy Spirit said to me, I'm the helper. Ask me for help. Yes. I mean, that's not rocket science, but I did that. I, was like, yes. I said, Lord, help me to keep my mind focused on things above. Help. Yes. And he helps us. Yes. So good. So don't wander outside the protection of God. As I was preparing for this message, this is how cool God is. I'm talking about the blood. I'm typing all this in and praying over it. And then on my phone, my phone lights up and there's a text from one of our uh, precious members. Sherry, are you here, is Sherry here? She's out cooking or it's okay. Sherry sends me this text. of She didn't know I was preparing this. Can you show that? That's, her, that's a door in her house. She said, God said, take a little bunch of hyssop. This is her text to me. Oh, no, wait, that's not her text. Now, here's what she said in her text. It's not in your notes. She says, from the beginning, I declared... This was during COVID, okay? She texts me and she shows me this picture. says, from the beginning, I declared my house was covered by the blood. My doorposts were marked. The markings have faded a lot in six months, but God's faithfulness never fades. Come on. Now... I think God does that for me because I need encouragement along the way. Like, Lord, should I really... This is kind of... And then she sends me this text. And so I know that I'm supposed to share this today. How do we get the blood of Jesus to the place where we live? What is our hyssop? What's our hyssop? They took that slain lamb. They dipped it. They sprinkled it. They were safe. Now, Paul says... That Jesus is our Passover. He was sacrificed for us 2,000 years ago. So to use the analogy, the blood is in the basin for each of us as Christians. But just like Israel, the blood in the basin doesn't protect us until we get that blood out of the basin to where we live. They used hyssop. So what is our hyssop? It's our tongue. This was dipped in the blood and applied something as seemingly simple as saying something. It's just saying a few words according to Scripture. But when we do it, it's not flashy. I have a paper there of of nine ways to apply the blood. And we're going to do a couple of them. We're going to do one before we receive communion. Rachel, if you guys could come up. But we, every day, for your home, for your life, you can dip your hyssop, your tongue, into the basin bowl. And what did we say before? We overcome Satan when we testify personally to what the Word of God says the blood of Jesus does for us. That's how we dip our hyssop into the bowl and apply it. By saying these things out of our mouth, and you may say, well, Glenn, what if I don't really feel a whole lot when I'm saying it? That's okay. Every head of household that applied that blood, I'm sure some of them had a shaky hand. Others were like, I've got faith. God's going to protect us. Others were like, I'm not so sure. (laughs) The power wasn't in how they felt. The power was in the blood. The power was not in how they felt at the moment. The power was in the blood. And we've all got a tongue. And our tongue is meant to dip and allow that to be released. Testimony is the same word in Scripture as confession. Hebrews 3.1. Y'all can start getting this going here. It says therefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our confession Christ Jesus a priest would take blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat in the holy of holies in the temple in Jerusalem Jesus is called our high priest and he's our high, the high priest of our what what we say out of our mouth according to what the word says the blood does for us. Confession means to say the same as. And so when we confess what the blood does for us, we're saying the same things out of our mouth as God says in his word. So we apply the blood when we say those same things. Now, I'm gonna just going to do this first one as a little way of getting us going. And then after we receive communion, I felt led to, I mean, I love this, the music, but I felt led when we actually get to the place of taking these elements. Did, what's your name? Zach. Zach. Hi, Zach. Did you get a, you get a cup? Good. Because I didn't want them to miss out. So, we're going to have silent, we're going to take the bread and the cup together because we're going to be a family all together. You know, it's like they, they play, but I want them a part of this. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Yeah. So, if you've got your little how to transfer the blood, probably some of you walked, walked in and saw this and went, How to transfer the blood? Am I in the right church? What's going on here? now you understand now it makes sense right how to transfer the blood you know our tongues say a lot of stuff isn't it good to know our tongue can actually apply the blood from the bowl to the doorposts of our life so we can be protected in this hour you know when you're protected in this hour you're, you're even more bold as a lion to, to go to these winter sets to go for it to live life victoriously amen So I'm going to hold this up, this first one. We are all going to, to, we're going to demonstrate, we're going to dip dip, dip, uh, the hyssop in the bowl. Number one is redemption. The blood of Jesus, the word of God says the blood of Jesus redeems us. To be redeemed means to buy back. We've been bought back. We're in Christ. We are redeemed by Christ's blood, Christ's blood 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. And then Psalm 107, 2 says, let the redeemed say so. <laughs> so we're gonna obey God here. Everybody get it? We're, going to, we're gonna say this together. Why don't I say it and then you say it after me, but it's on number one there. Through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, I have, I have been redeemed out of the hand, of the, hand of, the devil. of the devil. You just applied the blood to the doorpost. So you know what? Satan has no unsettled claim against you. He has no power over you. He has no place in you because you applied the blood. Father as we come now you can go ahead and yeah let's let's take the elements I'm going to need one We come now to your communion table Lord We're going to first take the bread together. Thank you for buying us back. Thank you that the power of the blood of Jesus does not go down as time goes on. That it's just as effective now as it was a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. The blood speaks... And for every need that's in this room, I thank you that the remedy to that need is found in the sacrificial blood of Jesus on the cross. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Thank God. Hmm. I want to read this over you. And I encourage you to to say this out of your mouth regularly. Anyone here who's sick in your body, I thank you, Lord, that it it was my diseases that you bore. It was my pains from which you suffered. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes and bruises I was healed. So now, by faith, I receive healing from my body. Thank you, Lord, that your body was broken, that we could be healed. So wherever it needs healing, you you can put your hand there over your eyes or your ear, whatever may be going on, like with the heart arrhythmia. Thank you, Lord. We just applied the blood again. Now let's take the cup. Open this up. And in the same manner, Jesus also took took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's drink the cup together. Amen. Thank you that your blood cleanses, redeems, justifies us just as if we'd never sinned. Let's stand up if you would. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for your manifest presence. Thank you, Lord for an activation today of the gifts of God. I have, so, I have this impression right now. So many of you have have gifts that have been on the, the shelf for a while and the Lord's bringing them off the shelf right now and stirring those up. If you need prayer for anything in specific, I'd like our prayer teams, those who are in Sunday school class to come forward. Any of our Staff or elders, or anyone of, of our prayer leaders, home group leaders, to come forward. And we're going to close with a time of worship, but also come forward for prayer. If you have any need. A word that the Lord gave my wife before the service today was 1 Corinthians 1 7 that we would lack no gift today in our meeting that every gift of the Holy Spirit that God wanted to release would be released today. And so if you feel led to, every one of you is gifted with with spiritual gifts. If you feel led to do this, if you just put your hands out, I just want to pray for God to stir up the gifts of God that are in you. Some of you out of wounding or disappointment or not being seen, the Lord sees you today. He sees you as wonderfully made and gifted Father, I ask right now for the stirring of the gifts. Even right now, some of you may feel a tingling or a heat in your hand. That's oftentimes an encouragement that you are uh, to release compassion for others by praying for them to be healed or delivered. We thank you now. I ask for a stirring across this room. Even today as we're eating, enjoying, Lord, help us to be ready to, to give a prophetic word to someone. Help us to be ready to pray for someone just right then, just because we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. I thank you for the family that has you, Father, as our daddy. That makes all of us brothers and sisters. If anyone here today doesn't really know you or is coming back to you saying, I'm coming back and going all the way. I want to sign up all the way. I pray they would come to someone, come up to me, and just say, I just want you to know I'm giving my life all the way back to Jesus today. We thank you now.